0: Well, I uh, am excited in this new year uh, to to see some incredible things. Anybody expecting some good stuff here in the new year in 2022? Okay, three or four of you have a good positive outlook on the year. The rest of you are like, I don't know, I guess we'll just see how it goes listen if you're watching online i hope you're being more encouraged in the in the room right here because in the room they're just like like their pudding was cold this morning or it was hot or something i don't know like they it was one of those ones where you're like yeah i guess it's going to be a good year we'll see no come on are are do you do you can can you expect some good things out of 2022 yeah a couple of you can yeah one or two people are excited for the new year, boy, I could talk, babe. I've got I got my work cut out for me this morning. They are not ready to help me at all. Come on, folks. Now listen, I want to let you know that 2022 at Discover Church, I know is going to be amazing because you all are part of it. But I want to also take just a second and just celebrate some of the incredible things that we had happen last year. And and if you don't know, and maybe you've heard me say some of this before, but man, I am so excited because last year we had some incredible things like families make commitments to raising their children. We help uh, to raising their children for God. We've had... uh, 12 families that we helped uh, kind of through the Christmas season in our community and in our church. We've seen baptisms. We've sponsored children in Africa. We've given almost $20,000 away last year, which is the most to other organizations and support projects that we've ever, ever done in our history so far. And not only that, but we have had incredible folks like Lisa Workman sign on to be our small group coordinator. And we've also had uh, Maureen and Mary Beth, who signed on to be uh, our outreach coordinators. We've hired someone new. We're super excited to hire someone new with Miss Chanel Singh that coming on as our next gen leader through our partnership with our, come on, that's it. Listen, through our partnership with Art. guess what? We've helped plant 64 churches, which is equaled uh, up to 500 salvations through the end of the year through those plants. Not only that, but we helped plant a church right in our own community over in Seaford. If you're online on Facebook, go to uh, Facebook and look up Hope Church in Seaford. Like them and follow them. They're doing awesome things in Seaford. We grew so much that we had to add a second service. We had more than 60 people join in for serve day. Not only that, but we've had hundreds of kids come through our doors between Easter and Candy Palooza and our glow party and all the stuff that happened with that. We renovated the toddler and preschool rooms in the back. We've seen more than 30 people come to know Jesus last year right here in person and online. So listen, we can celebrate We can celebrate what God has done in 2021, but let me tell you that we're not going to sit too long and, and hold that as like this great thing. It is a great thing, but let me tell you, if you don't know, God has called us to do even greater things this year. And so I hope that you will partner and join with us in that, and I'm so thankful and grateful for that opportunity. And if you had the opportunity last week uh, we were online, obviously, and last week. Uh, if you didn't get to watch the message, I really encourage you to do that. I always encourage you to be a part, even if you're away from us for, for the for the weekend. But uh, go back and watch that, because last week we talked about kicking off 21 days of prayer and fasting. And uh, 21 days of prayer and fasting is something we do kind of every year here at Discover. And I'm I'm always excited about it, because I don't know if you ever have this moment, uh, anybody ever had that moment like the day after Christmas or maybe even Christmas night or like the New Year's Day where you sit and you most likely have to unbutton that that button here because you've ate too much and you're just kind of like, woo, boy, that was a lot. Like, ever ever have those moments like where you do that? Like, where you're just like, woo, boy, that was so much, right? And I love the fact that we go through 21 days of prayer and fasting where we just slow down for a little bit, and, and if you don't know what fasting is, I go into more detail about it in last week's message, but uh, fasting is simply just taking the opportunity to choose something that you can give up. For some people, it can be a meal or, or, or a particular thing, uh, meats or sweets or something like that, and taking that time, the opportunity. Here's the important thing, right, because some of you maybe have fasted like for some sort of medical something or another, and you just think it's starving yourself. It's so much more when we're actually going to take fasting and use it as a purpose, it's, it's more than that. Because the goal is, is not just to starve yourself or deprive yourself of social media or something like that. But the goal is to take that thing and replace it with prayer and scripture reading, with getting into God's word and growing in him. And so I want to encourage you, if you have not started in 21 days of prayer and fasting, the good news is, is you can start today. And you can start tomorrow, and, and you can kick off, and you can carry this on. And, and you, can, you can sometimes, guess what? I, this happens to me. Sometimes in the middle of the year, I'm like, Lord, I just need to take a time. Where we're just going to do a little fast, like it, it, maybe it's a week or, or whatever. And we're just going to do a little fast, and so I'm going to dr- try to draw closer to you because I really think that if you're willing to kind of take this as a challenge, if you've maybe never done this before, take this as a challenge this beginning of the year and, and really seek God about what he is going to kind of walk you through in 2022. And so for us, I'm I'm super excited for that, and I pray that you're being strategic in that prayer uh, for the new year. But today, I kind of wanted to give you a a little bit of an insight here on a message, uh, and and we're going to start out with an actual story that comes out of some Hebrew tablets that comes in, in, in the B.C., right, the before Christ. And, and what you're going to find is obviously the, the Jewish people have an incredible history and there's so much that we could go into uh, on any week in, in, in this. But one of the things that uh, I, maybe you've heard of this story and maybe you haven't, I, I was super excited as we're in 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I thought that this kind of story really fits so well with where we are. And the story really has to do with a century before Jesus. Okay, so this is before Jesus was born. This is a couple hundred years if you're in the Old Testament when the last prophet from the Old Testament was, had died and was gone. And in scriptural terms, many times we call these the silent years where it didn't feel like God was doing much. And maybe you feel that way in your life sometimes, where you just feel like there's some silence and there's just not much happening. You're kind of like wondering, God, where are you in the midst of all this? Well, in the, the land, we find that there was a drought that had happened, and people were, and uh, in, in a drought, like we kind of know of droughts to a certain extent, but we're not, we never experienced the kind of drought that they were experiencing, where people were dying and crops wouldn't grow, and therefore you had no food, and and just the insecurities that arose out of this. And people were kind of crying out. And, and it seemed like such a crazy and far out thing, like to pray to God and ask for some sort of miracle. Because at this time, miracles seemed like such a far off and distant thing. But there was a sage at the time, and uh, a Jewish sage at the time. And, and they went to him. And the people had started clamoring around him, like, you know, come on, will you, will you come out? Will you pray? I mean, will, will you, can we do something? Let's do something so that we can all not perish in this drought. And the man that they went to, his name was Honi. And Honi carried a six-foot staff with him. And Honi goes outside Jerusalem and out in, in, into where it's just a sandy, dry area because there's no rain that had been happening. And, and what does he do with his six-foot cane? It's, he actually takes the opportunity. He draws a circle, and everybody's watching, trying to figure out what are you doing? And in the middle of this circle, he gets on his knees and he lifts up a prayer. And he made the decision that, guess what, I'm not coming out of this circle until you do something, God. I'm not coming out of this place until you actually do something. And there he, he lifts up his hands. He raises his hands and he prays. He says, Lord of the universe, I swear before you, your great name that I will not move from this circle until you have shown mercy upon your children and as he's there and he's praying the people are around and they're kind of amazed because how many of you know that like when you make a statement like I'm not moving that's like a there's not much wiggle room there <laughs> like uh, you know what I mean like there's not a whole lot of space where you're like I- I'm not moving except for Tuesdays and Thursdays between 12 and no 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 Wait, I- I'm not moving and people were amazed, not just because of his volume, but because of the tone, because the, there was not a hint of doubt about what God was going to do here. The words resounded from deep within him, and then all of a sudden, sure enough, raindrops begin to fall. Now, you would think that this is it, right? This is the moment, because, and, and the people kind of go crazy, they start shouting, and they're so excited, and they're just like, yes, rain is coming. But it was just kind of like this trickle of rain. Not like a soaking rain. Not enough that's really gonna like do a whole lot. And because of this, what I love is Honey actually prays again. He he says that because he wasn't satisfied with the sprinkle, he says, Not for such a rain have I prayed, but I pray for a rain that will fill cisterns and pits and caverns. He says, I want a rain that's actually gonna cause. Water to sit around for a little bit, so that we can have something to sustain ourselves on. And then all of a sudden, we see raindrops as big as eggs start to fall. You've maybe experienced moments like this, where like you're outside and like the big plops start falling. It feels like you're like, oh, this is I don't know, I don't want to be outside right now. This is a bad. This is bad, right? This is a bad scenario. And and so people all of a sudden realizing that these massive raindrops are going, they know what happens when it's been a drought, and then all of a sudden, like, you get a massive amount of water. You get floods, right? And so people start kind of panicking and freak out, and they go up to the hill where the temple is to try to get to higher ground. And as this, I love, because Ahoni is still in his circle, and he still continues to pray, and he prays again, not for such rain have I prayed but for the rain of your favor and your blessing and your graciousness. And then slowly we see that the big egg-shaped raindrops slowly transform into a shower and one that rains calmly and evenly throughout. And so today I want to encourage you through 21 days of prayer and fasting here. Whatever it is that maybe you're feeling like there's a little bit of a drought happening in your life, I want to I want to ask you if you would would you consider would you consider making a circle, and kind of getting down and saying God, listen, we we I'm I'm praying to you about this until until this thing we can get this resolved until I, I get some peace or or I get a word from you or I get some wisdom and understanding of what happens because God I I, I need you. I think God is looking for some circle makers in 2022. He's looking for some people that are going to stand up. And today, listen, if you have your Bibles with you, whether they're paper version, I always love when people have paper version, or maybe you have your U version Bible app on your phone, I want to encourage you to open. We're going to be in the Old Testament today. We're going to be taking a look at Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1. And uh, Daniel is one of these uh, great books that... Uh, maybe if you went to VBS or something like that as a kid, you kind of know the story of Daniel a little to a certain extent, right? And you, you kind of know some things about Daniel, but maybe you've never read the entire book here. Daniel is uh, it, it kind of finds himself in this, this odd spot because Daniel's story is not one of happiness or excitement all the time. Like God showed incredible favor to him, but his story did not start out this way and you find in daniel chapter one we're going to start reading in verse one it says this that during the third year of king jericho's reign in judah the king nebuchadnezzar of babylon came from jerusalem and he besieged the city the lord gave him victory over king uh, jericho of Judea and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects From the temple of God, so Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylon, and then he placed them in the treasure house of his gods. And in verse three, it says, "Then the king ordered Aspab, his chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal families, the noble families uh, who had been brought to Babylon as captives." And he says that I want you to select only the strong, the healthy, and the good-looking young men. Make sure that they are well-versed in every branch of learning and are gifted with knowledge and good judgment and are suited to serve in the royal palace. He says, I want you to train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. And in verse 5, the king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine out of his own kitchens. And they were to be trained for the number of three years and that they would enter into the royal service. And in verse 6, we see Daniel... Hananiah, Mishael, and Azarath were four of the young men chosen from the tribe of Judah. Daniel's journey here doesn't start out as one where it's super exciting and Daniel comes into the world and he's super happy about his place and his scenario. Because what do we find? Daniel is basically a slave taken captive from his land moved a thousand miles away and by the way if we like okay I, I just recently went to florida Florida's a thousand miles it took 16 plus hours in a car don't do it fly okay <laughs> that's what i learned just don't just don't do it all right but like 16 hours in a car is one thing but this is like we they didn't have a car he couldn't call an uber he couldn't get on a train or a plane he, he couldn't do that it's a thousand miles this is a haul this is a trip once you went a thousand miles in this time frame guess what there are chances of you ever going back those 1,000 miles is slim to none. Once you're there, you're there. Here he is, a captive in a strange land with a foreign king. And we see that, that Daniel is kind of blessed because one of the things that Daniel is actually able to do, if you read his whole story, is that he can interpret dreams. He was really wise, and, and he just had some incredible talents. But the thing that we see about Daniel is that Daniel actually ends up where he doesn't want to be. Daniel would much rather be in his homeland, making a difference with the people that he loved and cared about. But, but sometimes we see that God actually takes you to places that you don't want to go. Anybody ever been to a place that you don't want to go? Anybody ever been there? Yeah? I was going to say, uh, that happens to me from time to time, and you, you kind of beat yourself in the head a little bit, and you're like, like, God, what is going on? Like, I did not sign up for this. This is not what we were supposed to do. And, and, and it's easy in these moments Uh, Maybe you have questioned God, like, God, you must not be real, because if you were real, you wouldn't have put me in this place. Or or God, God, what's happening here? And and you've heard people around you kind of murmur and and, and say stuff, and and you're sitting there going, what, why? You ever have those moments like, like, why, God? Why now? Why this? This is stupid. I don't want to do this. And you find yourself in a place that you weren't wanting to go. But here's the thing, we have to realize that sometimes you get put in situations and places you don't want to go, and sometimes it's not your choice, right? You didn't sign up for this. So what are a couple reasons that you could end up there? I think one of the ones is, is it comes from leadership above you. Leadership above you. Uh, in, in, in Daniel's case, right, Daniel, he didn't want to go, but because he had to go because the king that he served failed. And because the people that he was, uh, that, that were over the, the nation at the time, they, they failed. And because they failed, God turned them over to be taken. Sit on that for a little bit. Let that be good theology that, that, that God let Daniel and all these people and the people uh, of Judah and, and the nation, there all around Israel basically, right, that he allowed these people to be taken captive. They didn't sign up for this. But the leadership above them failed them. And because of that, guess what? They, they had to go to places they weren't willing, wanting to go. The second one we see is how do you end up in places that you sometimes you don't want to go? Sometimes it comes from the family before you. Sometimes we really uh, downplay like the heritage that we have before us and raising before us, the things that came from us before us, or even as you were growing up as a kid. You don't understand, but some things get kind of sewed into your life that you had no, no choice on. That you had no opportunity to be like, no, nah, I don't want to do that. If you came from a family and your family has dealt with alcoholism for years, right, and, and you grew up in the midst of that, that's horrible, right? You didn't make that choice. You're in a spot you did not want to go, but the because of the family before you kind of put you there. And the last one here, I'm sure there's more examples, but ones I came up with was this, is that sometimes the friends around you get you in places that you didn't want to go. Anybody ever been guilty by association? I had that. Guilty by association when I was growing up, uh, because uh, growing up as a teenager, uh, you know, you didn't want to sit too close to the front, so would you, you sit in the very back? And I remember my mom would be like normally in the second, maybe third row. And and uh, if like she heard people in the church kind of cutting up, she would get she'd give this. <coughs> and if you didn't know, <coughs> like that, the, to you there's no words there, but to me that was. You better straighten up because if I have to get out of this chair and come back to you, I'm going to beat you senseless, boy. Right? That, that's what that meant. See, I, you didn't know that that's what <coughs> – that it, it has a deep-rooted meaning to it, right? And so I literally, like, there could be all sorts of stuff happening in the, in the, in the room. And if my mom went, <coughs> I'm like, boy, y- y'all better shut up. Stop it. Like, I'm telling you, she'll come back here. she'll whoop all of us. So she do not even care if you're a kid or not. She'll beat you. Right? You get guilty by association. And so we see – in philippians chapter 1 verse 6 we have scripture like this and this is scripture we love to read scripture that says that i am certain that god who began a good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day that christ return and we're like yeah god's doing a good work in you and it feels so great and it's so awesome and then you're like but this doesn't feel good god where's the good work happening i don't see it i don't feel it right but the fact is, is we're called to be circle, make, circle makers. See, we, we have to have the notion and the ability to seek God and to give him not based off of the pressure and the circumstances around us. So what do we see? We see in verse 8, chapter, chapter 1 of Daniel, here's what we see. We see that Daniel is put into this strange land under a foreign king. And, and one of the things I love about the book of Daniel is that when you read it, his character just seeps out to you like the character of like his personal like stance of character it just kind of comes out of, of the writings that we see in Daniel because in verse 8 it says this is that says that Daniel was not determined to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to him by the king because he Daniel knew that there was a certain standard that God had called him to live to and he says that, no 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 i i can't do that and so but Daniel's in this weird spot where you say something, you could die. Like you throw too much of a fit here, be like, you know what? You're just not worth keeping around, buddy. Go. You know what I mean? Like, and so Daniel has this this strange spot. But but what did he do? He he seeks to ask from the chief of staff for permission not to eat it. He says, "Listen, can can we do like a little test run here? Can 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 I I, I eat you know the diet that I, I kind of supposed to eat, and, and you tell me if I'm." as strong and as healthy as everybody else around him. And what I love here is we see that Daniel decides that he couldn't just passively serve God, that he couldn't just give up on on one meal, that he just realized that, guess what, one workout is not going to cut it. He learned that, you know, just spending one hour with God, just coming to church for one hour out of the week was not going to do it. Daniel knew that, guess what, it was part, it had to be part of the system and the regiment of his life because that's the only way he's going to stand living in this foreign land under this foreign king doing stuff that he'd never signed up to do. See, we see that, that, that Daniel was such an honorable person that God blessed him so much that it's funny that he came basically as a slave to be kind of put in the, the king's kind of like service, right? But because out of this, right, he actually rose to such prominence. Like he, he has a, a, a Joseph moment where, like, in, it, you see Joseph kind of r- rises to be. Uh, 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 we see Daniel. We see Daniel rise all the way up. And what do we see out of his life is that he becomes one of the main men in two kings, uh, in two kings' cabinets and kingdoms. Like the, the, the person that the king would be like, "Hey, Daniel, what do you think about this?" Hey Daniel, well how about you? Daniel, run, run, run with this. Make it work. Make it better. And he did it. And how many of you know though? How many of you know? anytime somebody's living the right life, there's going to be haters. anybody Anybody ever experienced any haters? Don't worry, haters going to hate. Okay, all right. Haters are going to hate. And so Daniel had his haters. And in Daniel's terms, we see that Daniel is is, is his haters. They wanted him. To fail, but not just like want to get Daniel fired. Like we're like, listen, we we gotta this dude's gotta get wiped out. We gotta take him out. They wanted him dead. And so what they do, they outlawed prayer, and in the midst of this, we see that Daniel, again, they knew his conviction to his God. They knew that Daniel could not give up on prayer. And so that Daniel had to have a bap. You know what a bap is? B-H-A-P? You know what a bap is? Daniel had to. He started had to start praying some BAP prayers. A BAP is a, a big, hairy, audacious prayer. You ever had some big, hairy, audacious prayer? You ever pray to God and be like, God, this is crazy. Like this, uh, I know this is insane, but God, I, I just, uh, I gotta pray some some big, hairy, audacious prayers today. It's just gonna be crazy. It's gonna be off the chain. It's gonna be cr- nuts, right? But uh, but Daniel's prayers when he spends this time, is he praying for money? Is he praying for prominence? Is he praying for just more stuff? Is he trying to bargain with God? God, I promise if you do this, I'll never look at another woman the wrong way ever again. God, if you do this, I promise I'll I'll listen to Christian radio every day for the rest of my life. No, no. Because see, what we see between Honi that we talk, talked about at the beginning and with Daniel, we see two different things. We see that Honi actually went to God and petitioned and prayed for others to serve others. And we see him making that circle and bowing, bowing down and just, just humbling himself before God on the sake of other people around him. And for Daniel, we see that Daniel does the same thing when he opens the windows of his two-story apartment that has a great view overlooking the city. You didn't know that, but it's in the scripture. He, he opens his doors. He's got a great view. It's the city. It's just like uh, downtown New York. You know what I mean? He's just got a beautiful view, and everybody can see him. He opens his doors, and he gets down, and Daniel, what does he do? He decides that he's going to pray to draw closer to God and not give in to the temptation that's around him and to seek after what God has for him. The problem is, though, is that we live in a culture that overvalues 15 minutes of fame, but it undervalues lifelong faithfulness. See, we see that the issues that Daniel faced were all issues that came to him from outside sources. They were pressures that came to him from kings and leaders, from from people around him, people that were his friends and people that weren't his friends. And we see in Daniel 6.10, it says that when Daniel learned of the law that had been signed, that outlawed prayer, that only one that you could pray to was the king of Babylon. And, of course, Daniel's like, I can't do that. What did he do? He went home. He knelt down, as usual, in his upstairs room. He opened the windows towards downtown Jerusalem, Manhattan. And he said, and he prayed. He did this. And what did he do? Did he do this once and pray and kind of hope nobody seen him? No, it says he actually did this three times a day, giving thanks to his God. See, you grew up knowing that Daniel went to the lion's den and that God saved him. But what you probably didn't know growing up is that in the midst of everything that Daniel went through, he didn't start praying when he was in the lion's den, oh God, please save me. He lived an entire life of it. His entire life seeped of it. Scott, if you would, if you would come up here and give me a hand. One thing that I love is that if you uh, read Old Testament, Old Testament has got some, some great, incredible stories. I know some of you, you kind of avoid the Old Testament because you're like, it's weird. And, and I, I get sometimes it can be weird. But, dude, it, the Old Testament's awesome. The Old Testament has people falling into pits. I mean, people getting stabbed in the head with spikes. I mean, you can't write this stuff. Like, it's got better stuff in it than Hollywood could ever come up with. It, it's, it's insane, right? It's, in, it's an incredible thing. And we see the incredible lives of men and of women that as they go through and, and, and they try to live their life. And I love that we see that in King David's life, he wrote in Psalm 5.3, he says, listen to my voice as he's praying. Listen to my voice in the morning, Lord, as each morning I bring my request to you. And what do I do? I wait expectantly. I wait on you, God. I wait to see what you're going to do. And I learned that I have to be okay with it either way, whether you do what I'm asking for or whether you go in a different direction because you're bigger and smarter. you got more things working than I have, have even, could even conceive of, God. How many of you and, and, okay, do me a favor, participate here, all right, because you've always been like half-half so far for the day, all right, right, right? How many of you today? Oh, I think today's like the 9th of January. You would say that today, uh, I really want to go into this year and develop a deeper relationship of prayer than I've ever had before. Anybody want to say that? That's great. Can I give you some bad news? I know you're like pastors. Why do you gotta give bad news now? I, I come across a statistic, in a, uh, like a study that had been done. It says that it takes on average 10,000 hours, like, to master something. Which makes me wonder if I mastered anything <laughs> ever. <laughs> it takes 10,000 hours to master something. You say, well, how long is 10,000 hours? There's a lot of zeros there. It's 416 days In 16 hours. It takes 416 days and 16 hours to master something. And so, by that statistic, you're just like, I'll never master prayer. Do I even bother? Yes, because it's worth it. It doesn't matter how long it takes you to get to these 416 days and 16 hours, it doesn't make any difference. The, The goal is, though, for us to press on, to show a little bit of the boldness of Honey and, and a little bit of the wisdom of David, a, a, of Daniel, and to, for us to be able to go before God to boldly proclaim. So I want to ask you, there's, uh, I, I know for a fact, it, unless you're on the front row, thank you front row people, you don't have this, but all the rest of you should have a pen in front of the pocket in front of you with connection cards, okay? I either want you to write this down on the back of the connection card where it says notes, or I want you to open your phone. When's the last time a pastor ever told you to get your phone out during service? Get your phone out. If you got like an app that you take notes in, or like you got a spouse that you want to send this to as a message, and I want you to answer one simple question today. It's a simple one, but boy, it is so not simple. What are you praying for? today what are you praying for for 21 days what is something that you need God to move in an area of your life this year what is it participate think about it and you're like Past, Pastor Chris. I, I don't have an earthly idea Well, the good news is is the worship team is gonna come up and we're gonna go through a song and listen I don't want a single person I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. I don't want a single person today to leave this room and not know what you're believing God for for this new year. What's it going to be? Because what we fail to understand sometimes is that there is a God, the creator of heaven, earth, everything. You look up at the stars. He put them all there. And he is just sitting there waiting for you to ask. He's waiting for you to draw close to him so he can speak and breathe life into your relationships, into your family, to give you purpose in your work. He's waiting. He says, "What are you what are you what are you praying about?" So I want to ask if you would just stand with us today. Listen, I'm going to open up in prayer. the worship team is going to sing, and this might be hard for you, because if you're like me, anytime music plays, I just, I got to sing to it, it's hard not to sing, but I want you, if you haven't answered that, I want you not to sing, not to say a word, until you can answer the question of what are you praying for, for this year, what's 20, what what are these 21 days going to mean to you, what is it going to mean for you in 2022 to come and seek before God? and heavenly father lord i pray right now for those that are online for those that are in person those that listen to this podcast father god lord i pray right now that you are going to speak to your people today that you are going to reveal some things father god that you're going to reveal some things inside of us lord we sang a song today that says i need a surgeon we need a surgeon sometimes to remove some stuff out of our lives father god we need a friend we need someone to walk with us today Lord, there's some family stuff that people are going through. There's some health stuff that people are going through. There's some financial things that, Lord, we need some answers to. And, Father God, I pray right now that you will speak to your people today, that you will allow us as sons and daughters to boldly be able to come before you and in humility to surrender to you the things in our lives. We thank you. We give you the praise. And, Lord, we know we're not done yet. In Jesus' name.